You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church at church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So why do I need to hear and know, not just hear it, but learn it and know what Jesus says? Okay, uh, every, every week, or this is the fourth week, the, so the three weeks that I've spoken, I've started with a little bit kind of an introduction, reminding us, because remember the sermon series is not about us telling you everything Jesus says, but for us to give you the attempt to give you a hunger to know for yourself what Jesus says. Okay, so here's that introduction again today. A little bit different one this this week, though. Why do I need to know? Three reasons right here. First of all, Jesus knows stuff you don't know. He knows things I don't know. I mean, you heard me say that all along when, when we were looking for property, we wanted to build a house and all that. And, and I was praying, you know, asking that question. Jesus, you know stuff that I don't know. You know if someone's going to build a hog farm right next to this property. He knows that kind of stuff, right? And so I want to listen to Jesus because Jesus knows that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, secondly, actually, thirdly, I want to skip number two. I want to come back to it. So, Tommy, give me the next slide because I want to come back to that GPS thing. Uh, decided to change these up just yesterday. The slides were already, so I just said I'll, I'll just skip it and come back. Number three is focusing on what Jesus says helps us know what to not listen to. Do you know there's some things you should not listen to? If you want to have an awesome life, if you want to have an awesome marriage, you know, I like to call them weed seeds. You know what weed seeds are? <laughs> you know what seed is, right? There are also seeds that belong to weeds that will bring weeds into your garden, into your lawn, into your potted plants, and into your life. Let me give you just one example, okay? One example is there, are a, there is a multitude of divorce seeds out there. Things that are spoken every day into your life by co-workers, things that you hear people say, and you might not even realize these little seeds are planted. Things that you, things that you, uh, you see, you watch on, on movies, I, I, I meant uh, things that we read online or wherever we read them. There are a multitude of divorce seeds out there. And if we're not listening to Jesus and what he says, then those seeds are the ones that get planted into our hearts and into our lives and start messing with our marriages. And that's just one area because there are a ton of weed seeds out there. But focusing on what Jesus says helps us realize what we should not be listening to. Okay, so let's back up to the second thing. And it's like GPS. Y'all know what GPS is, right? And let's talk about GPS in a car because listening to Jesus is like GPS. But GPS doesn't work when you're not connected to something outside the car. You know, the car doesn't figure out where it needs to go on its own. Okay, here's the thing. The car is mobile, right? That's the whole purpose of a car. You know, you don't have a car. I don't know, some of the, some of the payments people are making on cars, they, I think they need to just park them in the yard and live in them, right? But, you know, but that's not really the purpose of an automobile. The purpose is for it to move. So if it's not connected to something outside of itself, it'll never know the right direction. It'll never know where to go. 
Because one day it's facing north, one day it's facing uh, east. I, I mean, if you're going from here to there, as, as the crow flies, as they say, that's one direction. But if you're going to get there in your car, you've got to follow the roads. You may be turning right, left, right, left, just to go what on the map looks like a straight line. You may actually at times even look like you're backing up to get to where you need to go. And the only way to figure that out is for your GPS to be connected to a satellite, some place that is, that, that is stationary, and we could use the word here maybe stable, that is stable, that never changes, that always is the same. And thank God, we have this inner GPS within us that is connected to a Savior that the Word of God says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So no matter what anybody else is saying out there, no matter which direction my vehicle is pointed today and where I'm trying to go and, and what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're trying to put into my life, weed seeds and all, all of those kinds of things, I know, because, I, I know what the right direction is if I'm listening because I'm connected to the one who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's why we need, those are three reasons, again, a little bit more about why we need to hear what Jesus says and, and know in our hearts what Jesus says and, and continue to seek after what Jesus says because it is so easy. And, and again, let me say it again. Is I think it's arrogant for us to say, well, I already know what God's going to say about that. I think that's, a, that's arrogant to say that. We've got to make sure we never get to that place, but to always constantly go back, filling ourselves with what Jesus says. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today? Now, we talked about, we talked about uh, the first week we talked about how we need to be about the Father's business. And the second week, we talked about how we need to not be so much wrapped up in our own business. You know, kind of the two playing off of each other right there. Last week, we talked about the biggest promise that Jesus says or, uh, that He's coming back, that we actually have this promise that He's coming back. And so today, it's kind of in a similar way, you know, this, the, you know that, uh, this last kind of a thing, that's kind of the theme here, I guess, yesterday or last week and now today, is I want to talk to you about the last thing Jesus says, okay? You know, I think last words are important. I don't think they're important because there's more power in them. I don't think they're, more impor I don't think they're important because there's more um, passion in them necessarily or whatever. But when you know your words are going to be your last words, you pay more attention to them, right? You know, think about it. Like, like you've probably seen memes, you know, on social media or whatever, somebody that's quit their job and, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've found some really cool way of resigning and sticking to their boss, right? So everybody in the, in the office knows they did that, right? Or maybe someone who's caught their spouse cheating on them, and so they find this way to get the last word of, you know, putting up a yard sale sign for everything that my ex-spouse owned at dirt cheap prices or just giving it away, right? Or like the, the lady who put on her uh, grave marker, on, uh, you know, at her grave. She had them put on, I told you I was sick. Y'all seen that one? <laughs> right? She got the last word on whether she was sick or not, right? She wanted to get this last word. So that's the reason last words are powerful. Because when we understand that they are our last opportunity to speak something, then we pay a lot more attention to what we're saying. And Jesus knew he was leaving. Actually, these words right here, uh, when he spoke those, he knew he was leaving in just a few minutes. <laughs> it wasn't he was leaving in a couple of days like we talked last week. 
He was leaving in a few minutes. Now, as a reminder, the, the, the words, the acts of Jesus while he was here were recorded for us in the Bible by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they each remember different things that he said, not because necessarily they forgot, but because, as John said, I suppose that if everything Jesus did were written down, the world couldn't contain the volumes. But they each had to pick and choose, I'm going to include this in my story of Jesus. I'm going to include this. So, you know, it's, these aren't the only words. These are the ones Matthew remembers, but if you want to see them all, go to the sermon notes on the Connect page, churchswingingoutofit.com slash connect, um, and go there and, and to the sermon notes, and you can read. I've got them all listed there for you in the sermon notes there, all the, what Mark, Matthew remembers, what Mark remembers, what Luke remembers in two places. Got them all listed there for you, okay? But here we're going to read what Matthew says. Jesus knows he's leaving in just a few minutes. He's leaving this world. What does he say? Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All right, he says a bunch of things right there, right? But the thing he is saying, the thing he is saying is make disciples. Of, of all the stuff that he's saying, what he's saying is make disciples. Go make disciples. Baptize them. So bapt baptism, that's, that's someone saying, hey, I'm now a follower of Jesus. That's what you're saying by that. So, you know, it's like the sign of being a disciple. And uh, teach them to obey all the commands. That's what a disciple does, is they follow the commands of the person that, that is that they're a disciple of. And so he's saying, make disciples. Okay, so, so this is like the last thing on Jesus' mind minutes before he leaves the world. You know, uh, he tells his disciples to go make more disciples. This is why I've spent this time with you. This is why I've poured myself into you. This is why I called you from the very beginning. You see, when Jesus called disciples, at the very beginning, some of those guys were... Uh, fishermen. And some of them, he, he used, this, uh, used this analogy. He said, you're a fisherman of fish, but he said, follow after me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll help you catch men. So that's what Jesus has been doing with these guys for three years now. He's been teaching them how to fish. Now when he leaves, though, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't leave with them an apparatus to catch fish. He doesn't give them a rod and reel, doesn't give them a tackle box. Okay, we're, we're speaking figuratively here, but still, he doesn't give them a net. Jesus doesn't choose when, when he leaves and, and, he, and he gives us this challenge to make disciples. He doesn't, he doesn't give them, choose to give us a net, but what he chooses to do is to help people fall in love with fishing. Because if you fall in love with fishing, you don't need somebody to give you a rod and reel. You'll go buy one, Right? You'll go find a way to catch the fish. You don't need somebody to give you bait. You don't need somebody to give you the tackle. You don't need someone to buy you a boat. If you love fishing, you'll find a way to squeeze that payment in somehow. I mean, that's what we do around here, right? I mean, we find a way to do what it is that we're in love with. And I'll give you this also. If you truly fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but love fishing for lost souls. If you fall in love with him, you can't help but love fishing for, because that's the thing he loved. You know, when, when you fell in love with, uh, those of you who are married, you fell in love with the person you're married to, 
there were some things that you thought were just so cute and quirky and everything, and, and you just kind of loved it and everything, and then you live with them about two or three or four or five years or whatever, and all, then all of a sudden those quirks, they, they weren't cute anymore, they just kind of got on your nerves, right? <laughs> I, think, I guess one of the big struggles with marriages today is that we, we, we get drawn to people who are opposite of us, and then we say, wait a minute, why did I marry this person that's so opposite of me? Right? But because we love them, we'll watch that movie. Because we love them, we'll go eat at that restaurant. Because we love them, we'll buy that car that's not the one I wanted. And when we love Jesus, we will be passionate about the things He is passionate about. Then, then if we're not passionate about the things that He's passionate about, then perhaps that tells us we aren't in love with Jesus enough. That we need to stir up our love. If, if I don't want, if, if I am not just sold out to reaching people that don't know Him, then I need to, I need to figure out what's wrong right here. I mean, man, during this coronavirus stuff and all the all the, the changes the, the lockdown at first right and where we just had to stay at home and look at each other you know we just had to stay at home with that person that we married that was so different than us and we wonder why in the world we married this person that's so different from us and we've just had to sit home with him and all that and yet all of this what it's done is it's really for a lot of us it's made us focus more on me 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 and me i mean even spiritually speaking I mean, people have focused more spiritually on, well, I got, I'm going to feed myself, feed myself, feed myself. That's, that's, that's not what was on his mind there at the end, was it? Or did he, he, he didn't say, okay, I'm leaving in a few minutes. Here's what I want you guys to do. Y'all go find yourself a place to, to j- just dig in, dig in, dig in, feed yourself, feed yourself, feed yourself. And he said, I want you to go make disciples. And if we're not doing that, then we need to check ourselves. And maybe this coronavirus time has been a time that's made us become more introspective. But if we're not careful, that goes just a little bit too far. Because we need to remember, we say this around, some of you got the t-shirt, right? It's not about me. Until you became a Christian, it was all about you. Jesus died for you and your sins. But once you became a Christian, it's not about you anymore. It's about the next person that needs to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what he's talking about right there. So he chose not to do this. He chose to not give the apparatus or the equipment, but he chose to give us the passion for it. We need to have the passion for it. Let me give you a way to check that passion just a little bit here, okay? Uh, this is next scripture. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 37, 38. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. Y'all know anybody that's confused today? They were helpless. Y'all know anybody that's helpless today? They were like sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> Y'all know anybody that's just kind of doing it their own way, trying to figure it out, and they don't have anybody give them guidance, or they, you know, and they're making one stupid decision right after the other. And I mean, I, and and here, you know, I'm seeing this a lot in churches today. I, I've been a pastor quite a few years. You know, and, and I've, watched, I've watched something happen over my time as a pastor. Is I've, as I've watched, I've watched the lack of... And I want to say something here. And I, want to, I want to say it in a way that you understand. I want you to find 
what you're supposed to be doing with Jesus. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing a lack of, of commitment to one local body and where people say, well, I'm going to go over here for a little while, here for a little while, see this a little while, dig into this a little while. Uh, I'm, I'm going to watch this on TV, this on TV, this on TV. And, and all of that's good. But when you don't commit to one place, you don't have a shepherd. And so you're, you're, you're losing that in your life. Now, I want to say this right here. If I can't be your shepherd, go find the pastor that can be. Go find the pastor that you can trust to make sure you're getting the words that Jesus says every single Sunday. And that he's, he makes sure whoever else maybe stands here is going to bring the words that Jesus says. Okay, because you need a shepherd. And that's, that's one of the problems that we're having in the church world today is people are not connecting to a shepherd, not connecting to a place. You need to find that. I, I've said it so many times that in our 11 years as a church is that, you know, if this don't crank your tractor, go find the church that does. You need something that every Sunday morning cranks your tractor and makes you want to get up and go be in church and, and worship with people. You need something that cranks your tractor throughout the week that, that says makes you say, hey, I, there's something I've got to do because my church says that everyone has something awesome to do for Jesus. You need to find that place and then jump right in the middle of it and grab hold and let that, that place be your shepherd because there are a lot of people out there without a shepherd. Okay, so here's what Jesus says about that. He says, I see people that are confused. I see people that are helpless. I see people without a shepherd. So the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask Him to send more workers into His field. Jesus saw a harvest. What do we see? Do we see a harvest? When, when we look at our world today, what do we see? You know... With the coronavirus, with the, with the political unrest right now in our world. There's so much, yeah, yeah, you what, right? Or just a whatever. And I, I hear less Christians talking about the harvest. Jesus looked at a world not that much dissimilar from the world you and I are living in today. And you know what he saw? He didn't see idiots. He didn't see people that, you know, need to get their head on straight. He didn't see people that weren't raised right and all that. You know what he saw? He saw confused people. He saw helpless people. He saw people without a shepherd, and he had compassion. When you fall in love with Jesus, you'll look at this world and you won't see a bunch of idiots. You won't see a bunch of people that need to get their head on straight. You'll see people who have grown confused because they don't know the words that Jesus say, says. You'll see people that are, 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 are helpless because they don't know the words that Jesus says. You'll see people that don't have a shepherd and so they're not having someone pour into them, this is what Jesus says. And so he says, get out there and find them. It's, it's, it's so much easier for us to just look at the world and say, oh, they're going to hell in a handbasket. And just, let's just get together on Sunday and just kind of enjoy what we're doing, right? And just kind of ignore that out there, right? But Christianity, is this is where I got this slide, but Christianity, yeah. Christianity isn't about winning an argument. It's about winning a soul. 
And we need to remember that. When Jesus had his last few minutes with the disciples, he did not say, guys, you need to get out there and win all the arguments you can for me. He said, guys, you need to go win some souls. You need to make disciples all over this world of every possible creature you can find. Make disciples. So let me throw two things. I didn't know I was going to get that deep in some of these things, so I took up a lot of my time right there. Let me give you two things that Jesus did not say, okay? He doesn't say this. Number one is this. Jesus doesn't say, uh, okay, stick with me here. Some of you are going to say, wait a minute. All right, hang on with me. Jesus doesn't say that buying a toy and sending a meal or whatever is enough. Okay? Now listen, we just sent a whole bunch of toys to uh, Cumberland, Kentucky this past week. Okay? We just, uh, a week and a half ago, we fed uh, several families in kind of a, a halfway house for, for uh, uh, moms who've had to leave a, an abusive situation with their kids. And we, just, we just fed several families at, on Thanksgiving Day, okay? Um, there's actually two more things I know of that are happening right now. And if you want to be involved, you need to start asking questions, okay? But uh, two more feedings that are happening really soon of food that is being prepared uh, for people real soon, okay? But, but Jesus didn't say in those last few minutes, hey, guys, I want you to go buy toys and bicycles and goats and, 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 uh, and, and gloves and those kinds of things for, for little kids in Kentucky. He didn't say, hey, guys, I, I want you to go feed uh, needy families on Thanksgiving. He didn't say that. That's not, that was not the last thing he said when he was about to leave here. Now, wait a minute. Did, did Jesus do those kinds of things? Did he feed the hungry? Did he bless children? Did he heal the sick? Did he encourage the broken? Yes. But that wasn't his mission. He did that because there was a need. And when you are passionate about people, you have compassion on people, you meet their needs. But he doesn't say just doing the physical is enough because that's not enough. When we reach out to people, we must have a redemptive mindset. It can't just be about alleviating their suffering here on this earth because there's another one to come. There's a world after them. There's a life after this. And so it can't just be about taking care of making their life really good right now. We've got to also make sure that eternity is good for them as well. This is what Christ has called us to do and to be. And, and the fact that, that we're buying toys and the fact that we're making meals and sending meals and taking meals and doing all those kinds of things that we're giving of our, of our finances, the fact that we're doing that, you know what that points to? Because you may say, you know, I really haven't been, you know, reaching out like that passion you were talking about. So maybe I don't love Jesus. No, you know what that points to? That says you do love Jesus. That says there's a love inside of you because you do want to buy a toy for a kid that doesn't have one. You do want to put some, some winter snow boots on a, on a kid in Cumberland, Kentucky, the Appalachian Mountains, that, that, whose parents can't afford to buy him some warm shoes. You, you do want to do this kinds of thing. Why do you want it? Because you have this love for Jesus and you love what he loves. So it's there. But it can't end with the physical. We have to have a redemptive mindset. Because really, if it was all just about our suffering and everything, God just needs to take us all to heaven and get us out of this, right? <laughs> Amen? Let's just go right now and get out of this. But there are so many that don't know Him. It's about their eternity. 
It's about their eternity. So we have to make sure it's not enough to just meet the physical. Here's something else he didn't say. And I'm, I'm partly to blame on this one, at least in your lives, okay? Not for the whole world, but in your life. Is he didn't say that to make an invitation. Now, okay, let me just read the rest of that. He is saying to commit to the journey of bringing people to Jesus. It's a journey. It's not an invitation to invite somebody to church, invite somebody to small group. I, I did my job. I was a good disciple today. I invited somebody to church. Commit to the journey. They didn't show up this week. Invite them again. You know, when they get here, don't sit on the other side of the room from them. You know, when they come to your small group, you know, don't, don't, don't forget that they're your friend that you invited. Introduce them around, all that kind of stuff. Call, check on them. Ask them if they had questions after the service is over. Commit to the journey. He didn't say make an invitation. He said make disciples. And that goes beyond that because he said all those things after that, right? Baptize them. Teach them everything I've taught you. He said make disciples. Not just make an invitation. And I, I, as I said, I'm to blame. I'm to blame in some of your lives because I've tried to make it as easy as possible. I said, look, all you got to do is so easy. Because listen, right now it is easy. Everybody's mind's on Christmas. Everybody's thinking about the birth of Christ. I know they're thinking about Santa Claus more than that probably. But everybody knows that this is about the birth of Christ. This is where this started. This is your opportunity to invite somebody to church. And I've said this so many times in the past. This is the easiest time you'll ever have. Well, you better take it because we haven't been taking most of them, have we? So we better take this one. But you know what? It's not enough to just make the invitation. We've got to go beyond that. We've got to follow up. We've got to speak. We've got to be there when someone's got questions. And, and incidentally, if you've got a question this morning, again, 476-2911, text it to us right now. Take your phone out. I've got a question about this. Send it. We'll answer before the service is over, okay? We'll answer. We, we want you to commit to the journey of reaching someone. It's not just about, and, and, and these next two weeks are the best opportunity you'll have probably until Easter to invite someone to come to a church service. So don't miss this one. But it doesn't end when you make that invitation. <clears throat> so let me close with a pointed question. Can y'all handle a pointed question? You sure? How pointed are you going to be, Rick? How pointed you know, are you going to be with us? A pointed, pointed question. Here it is. How long since I was obedient to this last thing, Jesus says? How long since I've committed to the journey of bringing someone to a place of discipleship? Of bringing someone to know Christ? Of making sure... Of, I mean, I probably could ask most of us, how long has it been since we've even made an invitation? But it's got to go beyond that. Where does it begin? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, if they will at this time. As they come back around, they're going to lead us in a final song. We're going to have a final prayer. And uh, we'll close and wrap this up in just a minute. So, so where, where does this begin? An invitation, to, but it's, it, it's, it's got to go beyond that. It's got to be more than that. So where does this go now? Let me ask you this question, okay? I don't like to point anybody out. I don't like to embarrass people. I'm not going to ask you to do like they did for me 
at um, at uh, TGI Fridays one time when they found out it was my birthday, made me stand up in a chair and let them sing to me. Okay, but let me tell you something. If you're going to give me free dessert, I'll stand up and share whatever you want me to do, okay? I'm good with that. Um, but I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm going to ask you to do this. If you have someone in your heart, that's all I'm asking. I'm not setting you up for something later down the road, okay? But if you have someone in your heart that you know needs to know Jesus, or someone in your heart that you know needs to know Jesus, very simple thing, this is the beginning of it, is raise your hand right now. I know someone. I have someone in my heart that needs to know Jesus. Okay, that's the first step. You know, it's like they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? That's the first step, acknowledging. I know somebody. Then, what am I waiting on? If I know somebody that needs to know Jesus, then what am I waiting on? Waiting on Kyle to invite my friend? Waiting on Justin to reach out to them with a prayer? Waiting on someone, uh, you know, waiting on Clara to fast a meal for them? I know somebody. He didn't call anyone else to reach the person that I know. I'm the one that knows. And so this is where it begins. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can email our prayer team at prayer at church2911.com or text us at 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting church2911.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. Thanks for listening to the 2911 Sermons Podcast. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.